Welcome to Page It to the Limit, a podcast where we explore what it takes to run software in production successfully. We cover leading practices used in the software industry to improve both system reliability and the lives of the people supporting those systems. I'm your host, Mandy Walls. Find me at LNXCHK on Twitter. Hi, folks. Welcome back. This week, we've got with us Sarah Ryan from PagerDuty. Sarah, welcome to the show. Tell us a bit about what you do and uh, what we're here to talk about today. Sure. Thanks for having me. I am in charge of the Center for Excellence of Automation at PagerDuty. I know that's kind of a mouthful, but basically, basically what I'm doing is looking at ways we can automate various business operations sort of processes within PagerDuty to create some efficiencies in, in what we're doing in our day-to-day jobs. That's awesome. So um, we've had some episodes in the past about like IT and technical team automation from that side, but we're going to talk a bit a, li- a little bit more about automation for folks who have other roles. So what kinds of teams do you work with to help them out? So yeah, we can kind of tie that all together too, where um, what what I work with is all different teams throughout PagerDuty. So we are also related to some of the DevOps stuff and IT stuff, but the difference between what we do and that is that you can have a human in the loop involved in the process. So it might be an IT process that runs and you need someone to make an approval in the meantime, or you need someone to make a decision and that automation will go one way or another way based on what that decision or that approval happens. Uh, we can also allow for different, you know, if errors occur, error handling, you know, different paths to take place, different logic to happen within the automation. And the other thing I would say that's different sort of about the standard automation you hear about is that, you know, we're talking about from a, a low code, no code perspective. So well, you don't need to be a developer to do it. You don't need to have any technical experience. Um, it, it kind of works like a PowerPoint or a Word document where there's cut and pasting of functions in and you can create these automations on just things you're doing in your regular job. So it doesn't need to be a large scale automation that you're doing. It could just be like, hey, I'm generating a deck every week that's taking me three hours to do, and this will save me three hours times 52 weeks. And, you know, just adding up all those hours of the various things that you save along the way. So all different departments we're working with, HR, finance, legal, marketing, you know, to name a few, but all of that being said, tying in with kind of like some of the stuff you've talked about in the past with with runbook automation, where clients that are using runbook automation can add on what we're doing to it and then add on those approvals and the things that, that might need to happen to change, you know, the outcome of what the automation is going to be doing. That's awesome. So when folks come to you, what are they hoping to get out of it? Are they, is it time savings? Is it a more efficient use of their time? Is it error remediation or like making sure things don't go awry? What, are, what kinds of things are people looking for? So I think there's a few different things. Is time savings is kind of the one that people talk about the most. Um, So that's always there. Also, it's error handling. So, you know, if you're copying data manually over from Salesforce to a deck or something like there's a lot of errors that can happen with that. Um, Errors in processing POs and things like that where, you know, we're taking in PO information, someone's manually entering that into Salesforce and there can be errors involved in that where when you're doing with automation, you're automatically pulling it you kind of get rid of some of those errors along the way. Also, something we don't really talk about a lot with automation, but I like to talk about is the sort of quality of life that you're implementing because these are things that people don't like to do. 
you know, their tedious process that you're doing over and over again. It's a repetitive process. It's something that can be automated, but it's, you know, employee satisfaction. It's happiness with your job. You know, something that you know is going to happen the same way every time. And it's something you dread doing because you're cutting and pasting multiple data points from different five different tools. Put that all into one thing, automate it, and that that makes your job better, makes your day better, and allows you to do more creative things and allows you to be more innovative in what you're doing with your job. You don't have to worry about it. So you can just count on that happening and you not having to spend those hours doing that. So I, I think that's my favorite part of automation is just I feel like I'm making people's lives better because they're not having to do these things that are just like the tedious tasks where you're like, oh, no, I got to create another report. I got to put this in a PowerPoint deck. I got to put it in a Word document. I got to put it in a Google Sheet. And, you know, sometimes it's even the same data. Like you'd be surprised with how, how often we're putting the same data in three or four different formats. And there's a need for it. You know, sometimes you need a summary for an executive. You need a more detailed thing for somebody else. So. You know, there is a need for those multiple formats sometimes, but to just not feel like you're doing that all the time and you're doing those repetitive tasks and you you, you can be confident it's accurate. You can be confident. It's something you take off your mind that you know will be handled by the automation. You don't have to keep doing it and worrying about and worrying about the accuracy and worrying about making it happen every week. That's awesome. On the, on the sort of DevOps and SRE side, we call those tasks toil. Like that's just the word that like, the, the Google SRE folks have assigned to those things. It's like, yeah, you you have to do it. It's kind of boring and it can't be wrong. Like you have to like get in there and, and actually get it done. Yeah. And you know, there's the legal aspect too of doing stuff wrong. Some of our customers that we've had, you know, one of our customers we had had a $25 million fine because they sent out some marketing materials that hey, it was a financial services sort of company, but they sent out some marketing materials that had a decimal in the wrong oh, place. No. And so they were advertising you know, the wrong information. So, you know, they, they bought our software and they used it in order to, you know, implement the autom- automation so they could be certain they would never set out something that had the wrong information. Um, so, you know, that's another thing I guess I didn't bring up, but just customer satisfaction where you can deliver more stuff to customers. You can be sure it's accurate. Um, you know, another internal automation we've done at PagerDuty is a genera- generation of SLA decks for customers. So, you know, this is something this is something that's pulling information from five different systems. So it's coming from PagerDuty, it's coming from Tableau, it's coming from Salesforce, a couple other places, and pulling that all into a deck that we generate for customers and for our premium customers. And so 300 decks get generated and get sent out to the customer. Each one of those decks t- would take the person two hours to create. So each one, not a lot, but that's 600 hours a month that somebody's creating decks. And to be frank, it wasn't getting done. You know, there wasn't enough time to do those 600 decks. You need two FTEs, two or three FTEs just to do that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, that's like a level of customer support we can provide that we wouldn't be able to. Like, you know, would it make sense to hire a couple of people to do that job? But it's now something we can deliver to our customer that we couldn't deliver before. Um, so that's probably the last aspect too that people don't don't talk about as much either. Like everybody says the time savings, but really like for me, it's the employee satisfaction. It's like what we can deliver to our customers that we couldn't deliver before that really like adds the value to what you're doing. That's super creative as a solution, as something to look at, especially when you're talking through like business applications and some of these things, we don't think about them as sort of our first targets. For, for automation, they seem kind of complex and there's like a lot of things going on. So like, how does sort of a low code, no code approach like help folks manage and manipulate those kinds of applications for these kinds of solutions? 
Yeah. And I think, I think that's super important too. So, you know, anybody can do it, right? So anybody can code it, but that's not even really the important part. The important part is the ideas that come out of all the people. So we've done this at PagerDuty where we've done a couple hack week events and usually hack week, you just think of the engineers participate, developers participate, they come up with some hacks and, you know, it's a, it's a popular thing at PagerDuty. Like I think it's a fun event, but so the hack week we did back in September, I decided like, let's get these people automating these system builders who've never done a hack week. They don't know what hack week even is involved in that. So I started promoting that. And the first one we did, we got maybe about 10 people that build cases. But that one I was just telling you about with the 600 hours a month, that was just someone who that was his job. And that was his sort of like, this is a great thing we could do for customers. He came up with that idea as part of Hack Week and built it on his own and got it done, you know, moved it to, got it into production easy. That's the other thing about no code, no code. It's already all, all built in. There's no like new server setting up. It's like, it's just all built in. So move it to production, start using it and low time to value. Um, but that's the important part. It's all the ideas that you come up with when you, when you branch out to marketing, you branch out to these other departments. These aren't IT people, they aren't developers, but when they learn about automation, they'll, they think about their own job and they think about what am I doing that's a pain point? What am I doing that's a repetitive task? What can I automate? And then you get all these ideas in there that you wouldn't even think about before because it, it wouldn't be something that would occur to a developer or an engineer. It's not part of what their job, their daily job is. So you kind of draw all those things out. So we did two events that we had the Hack Week. The PGD Hack Week was the first one. Then I did an individual event in December where we had 50 people actually that participated in that. So we got 50 ideas out of that. And those two events it resulted in like three and a half million dollars of time savings, like just just looking at the time savings alone on that. So I think that's the important thing to like think about. Like when you open it up and you say this is low code, no code, anybody can do it, people start learning about it. And as they build one thing and start doing it, they come up with more ideas. So it just kind of like spirals out. They tell their friends, you know, they they send things to other people and they're like, oh, well, how did you generate this? And then it just spirals more and more ideas that they kind of get more and more of those efficiencies. It's inspiring. And also like it moves the horizon. Like, like you say, like folks weren't even thinking about things they could have been doing because they're used to sort of the the boundaries of the applications as they're looking at them. But you add a layer of potential automation or, you know, just that manipulation on top of them. And it just changes how you interact and what you can do with those applications. It makes them so much more powerful for, for people and customers. And, and that's all great stories. And we have another hack week coming up in March. So, like, excited to see what people will do. Yes. Yeah. So starting starting to promote that a little bit amongst amongst the automation duty people that, that are in my Slack channel to start thinking of their ideas and get that going. So yeah, it, it's fun to get all those ideas. And you know, even even when we go to customers that are using it, they always have their own ideas too. So you know, you just we have typical use cases kind of that people do that that we publish and we talk about. But then there's always people coming up with more ideas, and it's kind of like making the world more efficient, you know, coming up with ideas to do your jobs better, make the world more efficient and, and save time and money and risk and happiness and all that. Well, since there are so many like potential things that people could be looking at, do you have things that you suggest people look at first? Do you apply to like things that you know are kind of easy or things that would save the most time? Or is there like any kind of rubric that you use with folks to, to help them sort of focus? 
Yeah, so I mean, we do we do kind of use a rubric where we're looking at complexity and value, right? So, you know, I don't always, I think the mistake you make at first is you're looking for the highest value thing out there. And that's not always the, that's not always the best thing, because sometimes that high value thing can be super complicated, right? So what we always recommend starting off with is the low complexity stuff. If you can find something that's high value, low complexity, great. But the most important thing is the low complexity, because then you can kind of get your feet wet, especially when you're talking about no code, low code building, something that's low complexity. Maybe it's just an email you're sending out every week with a status report to your team and it's saving you a couple hours a week. And, you know, that that's a little bit of time, but it gets your feet wet and trying to figure out how to how the whole system works and how to build that. Um, and then, you know, you can move forward from there and go to more high complexity things as you move on. So but also like when you're identifying like kind of use cases, what I always say is what's your pain point? Like what, it, what is the biggest pain point in your job? And then let's see what we can do to automate it. Because, you know, the, the automation, the way it's set up, it's kind of like a Swiss army knife. You can do almost anything. Like you're only limited by your imagination. We have built-in integrations to a lot of systems out there. But if a system has an API, we can call the API and we can integrate it that way as well. So, you know, you're limited. So, so what I always say is what's your biggest pain point, like your most tedious thing, or like even something that's not working as a process. So you talk about like, we talk about also process redesign and, you know, people say, well, why would you automate a bad process? Well, sometimes you can't fix the bad process. The ideal thing is to fix the process, then do the automations. But if you can't fix the process, like company like PagerDuty or even bigger companies, some processes are just really ingrained into what everybody's doing and you can't fix it. So like, even if we can take out a portion of the process that, you know, maybe it's a 12-week procurement process that you have to go through. If you can take out some of those approvals, do some parallel approvals within procurement and get that to move faster, that might not be saving necessarily a lot of time because you're still doing the same level of approvals and you're still going through the same process, but you're allowing people to do parallel approvals, to review documents at the same time, store that information, and you're just moving the timeline a little faster. So just kind of taking away that pain point of like, I need to procure this. I'm waiting 12 weeks, 16 weeks. I can't do my job without getting some procurement handled. So, you know, that's not a dollar amount of value and time saves, but that's a, that's a pain point of, of something that, that needs to be fixed and might be continuing with the same process. It's not the most efficient process, but we're helping that process along and we're taking at least the people, the pain of the people involved in that process out of, out of it and letting a bot do that automation. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I feel like it, it helps people just feel like they've been heard. Like, yeah, we're, we're going to work on improving this, this horrible process, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. And then you can slowly, you know, you automate parts of it, but you can slowly like, take out pieces of it too. And, and you'd be like, okay, maybe we don't need seven approvals. We're automating these seven approvals, but maybe we can do it with four approvals. And, you know, maybe, you know, I know this, this was a case with some of the HR because we also did an HR onboarding process. And you looked and there was something like 37 emails going out as part of the onboarding process. And so just calculate that you're like, okay, I'm spending 10 minutes in email, 37 emails going out to this many new hires, a lot of time. Right. But also some of the emails we were sending out, HR would send out an email and then mine took would send out the same email. And we, as we started to dig into it, I was like, well, are these emails saying anything different? They're like, no, I'm like, well, do they, does the person need to receive a mind tickle email and an HR email? Like 
if they do, fine, we can do that. But, you know, that allows you to kind of like look at the process overall and say, no, we don't. We don't need to send out three emails saying the same thing at the same time and, you know, just coming from a different from address. So I think that process redesign naturally happens when you're automating. But, you know, there's always that debate, like in an ideal world, you go in and redesign and make all your processes as efficient as you can and then automate them to make them more efficient. But that's just not going to happen. People just don't have the time to do that. So just automating even even what you can along the way really, I think, helps people along to make those processes more easy. Yeah, absolutely. And it shines some light on like where those dark corners are in some of those things and hopefully makes people like maybe ask the question, why are we doing this this way? And it's just an opportunity to reevaluate anyway. Right. And and that's even true too, sometimes with some of the systems that we're integrating with where, you know, people are like, I need to pull this information out here and do this. And they're like, oh, we can just create that report in Salesforce for you. We can just create that Tableau report. We don't need that. And so just even shining the light on like, yeah. here's what we're doing. Here's the process of what's going on. And then, you know, sometimes it comes back where the, the person who's the admin of that tool might say like, oh, well, you, you don't need to automate that. You can do that within the tool itself. And that allows us to like, you know, even expand what we're, what we're doing with the tools we already have and, and not necessarily go through the automation, but like highlight, here's some additional features we could be using that we're not using that we're paying for, right? With these tools. Absolutely. We have so many tools. Like, I don't know how you'd ever know all the features in all the tools is like you open up yes. Okta and you're like, oh my God, there's like 80 things here. And I don't even know what half of them are, let alone how to use the other half that we have. So yeah. Yes, for sure. <laughs> much stuff. Um, one question that we, we ask folks uh, occasionally is like, is there a, a like a, a common myth or misconception about it, like the the stuff that you do, business process automation or even low code, no code things, like anything that folks get wrong pretty often that we can like set the record straight here for? Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of things. I think the first thing is like that that we've mentioned, we've talked about before, but that you had to be a developer to to build an automation. You don't for sure. Like that's the whole point of no code, low code. Um, so that's the primary primary thing I would say. But then also there's automation tool. There's a lot of automation tools out there in the marketplace, yeah. right? So some tools are RPA tools where they're, they're just running a process and they're doing it the same way. And they might have a little bit of logic that can be built in, but they aren't the full scope of what we could do where what we're really doing is orchestrating a whole workflow. So we're orchestrating a whole process. So there's people in the loop, there's different paths you could take with this automation. There might be a portion of it that just is running a batch or, you know, calling something that's running a batch. But after that batch is run, different people get notified, different approvals happen. And, you know, so it's really the automation that we do and the tools that we now have at PagerDuty with this workflow automation, is really orchestrating that whole level of automation, not just one small portion integrating it with everything, you know, creating, we can create an instant in PagerDuty, we can update Salesforce, we can do all, all that in one, one flow. And it's not a, it's not a disparate process. So I think that, that that's the biggest thing is just when you look at all those tools out there to know what you can do with our tools versus, you know, just like an RPA tool out there that that many customers we have may have an RPA tool. Well, we can also integrate with that RPA tool. We can make a call to the RPA tool and run the batch that's already been set up in there. So you don't have to redo what you've already done with other automation tools when you're using our tools. So you came into PagerDuty when we acquired Catalytic, which was last year? Right, last April. Yeah, so it's almost been a year. How much of the stuff is available for folks right now externally that they could like play with or get started with? 
Currently, we have not been selling externally. We have about 30 customers that are running on Catalytic that were existing customers that came over in the acquisition. So those customers are still continuing to use Catalytic. They're using it in production. They're using it for many different things. Um, And now this year, we're just starting to start selling Catalytic again to external customers. So that's a new thing. Uh, we're still working on that, the process for that, but we've had a lot of customers asking us. So particularly part of like process automation deals where they say, we, we need to be able to do this. We need to put a web form on the front of it where someone can fill out information and then run the automation. So we've had a lot of customers asking about it when we're selling other things to them. So now because of all the demand we've been hearing out there in the market, now we're starting to open up more where we can start selling it to customers out there as well. That's awesome. Yeah, so that'll be cool. And eventually it'll go into, you know, the flexible platform that we're, that is being built that eventually will be upgraded. So the existing people using Catalytic and using that tool and the workflow automation that we're going to begin selling to other customers, that'll eventually be upgraded to the new new platform that we're, we release next year. It's going to be so powerful for people just to have, pull in all of this stuff, get all of their information from all these like sequestered systems that are powerful individually but like because all the information is is hidden in all these silos you feel like you don't get the full picture and especially when you are responding to incidents and working in unplanned work we want all the rest of the information we don't want to have it hidden behind other logins or other servers or other systems that we don't all have access to so this is going to be super powerful yeah yeah you know even talking about postmortems and things like that people are people are doing stuff creating automated documents from all the information that happened within an incident and then be able to send out that postmortem summary within one document that everybody can see and it can go to the appropriate people through pager duty, you know, whatever, whatever is set up as the escalation policies in pager duty will, it will happen. But that automation of like consolidating all the information from the various systems that are needed will be able to be done through the automation with this tool. So yeah, it's really cool. All the things that can be done out there. And again, it's like you're, it's because sort of you're only limited by your imagination of what can be done. Yeah. Yeah, anything that's in your workflow, like I, because I mean, we don't know what folks are out there doing. And yeah, you plug in any number of different systems together, who knows what you're going to get out the other side. So. Yeah, you know, people are using it in HR for recruiting purposes, where you have the canon information, scheduling the interviews, checking schedules, scheduling the Zoom call, being able to pull the information of who attended Zoom calls, things like that all, all can happen to that. So yeah, there's been a lot of interesting ideas that have come out through PagerDuty and a lot of interesting stuff our customers are doing as well. And we're thrilled that, you know, of the ways they're they're finding to use the product and the ways that we can help them. So as you've been working with folks on this the last few years, is there something that is sort of a, a lesson learned or or something you feel like folks should want to know as they're getting into this kind of work or looking for this kind of solution? Yeah, and I think we, we kind of touched on this before a little bit, but I think the biggest thing is just to start with a lower complexity thing and don't necessarily look at dollars, but look at, you know, value in other ways, not not always the time savings necessarily. Time savings are great, but start with the low complexity stuff. Get the ideas. The other thing I think sometimes we've made a mistake in the past is focusing on like one department. Mm, okay. So we've had customers where we've like only only signed with the marketing department. And so there was a license for only marketing to use it. It needs to spread across other departments, get all the ideas that are out there, and then you can really you can really get the full value out of it. You don't get the full value out of it if you only are looking at one department and only getting ideas from one place. So I think, you know, it's low cost to sort of set that up. And, you know, we talk about the hack weeks, like 
even for our customers, doing a hack week, having people come up with their ideas, come back with their ideas and, and build that. Our hack week stuff we've done in the past has been about 10,000 hours we've saved from each hack week. So it's like we found automations that have saved 10,000 hours of people time with one week of work. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. And that just, that just like spirals out because all those people who had those ideas share with their friends and they come up with more ideas and then it just like gets bigger. You think they're going to run out of ideas, but there's no shortage of ideas out there. There's no shortage of ways to be more efficient. So you really never run out of ideas and you know, the customers that really use our product really get value out of it because they keep, they're paying us a fee and then they keep building more and more stuff and getting more and more efficiencies out of it. So they really get their money's worth. That's excellent. That This is so exciting. Like I, I just can't wait for all this stuff to be ready to go for everybody. And so everyone gets all of the benefits and enhancements and like gets all the time back from doing yeah. all these manual things that we have to do and all this like weird scraping data from one place and putting it into another to get all the value out of it. Just, yeah. Yeah. And I love, I love this, just getting the word out there because again, we have customers already using this. This is a production tool that many customers are using. So it is ready. It's going to only get better and better as time goes on and we make improvements and enhancements and stuff to it, but just getting the word out there and letting people know about it and getting people interested where they can learn more and, and come up with their own ideas of things they can do is, is really always been my goal and everything. So I'm happy that this is sort of like another vehicle to just like get the word out there and happy to have people reach out to me with any questions and I can help anybody learn how to automate and become everybody. I always also say everybody has an idea. Yes. Everybody has something they could be doing more efficiently or they could be doing better. So, you know, if you, anybody who needs to brainstorm an idea, I can help with that too as well. That's great. So to wrap up, like where can people find you? Uh, Where do you hang out? Um, so we have a Slack channel, Automation Duty COE, that you can go to and join that. And that's a lot. There's a lot of activity in there. A lot of people. That's just internal to PagerDuty, though. Internal right? to PagerDuty, yes. Yep. Okay. Do you guys participate in our community forums at all? If folks have questions or or that stuff. Um, no, we haven't done that yet today. But that's a that's a good thing I should look into for sure. All right. Yeah. We'll have to as folks get more interested in this and, and things they want to do. We'll, uh, we'll get them hooked up over there. Yeah, and I, I would say if it, you know external customers are interested, contact your current PagerDuty rep and they can they can get you in contact with us to figure out how you can do more automation. That would be excellent. We, we totally want to hear from everybody out there who has automation ideas, things they want to plug into all these amazing platforms. Yeah, and we're, we're beginning to build some kind of customer stories and things like that that we'll be, out, be able to share out as well. So some of those, some of the more communication things will be happening this year too, where we'll be crafting some more of those stories to be able to tell to customers as well. Well, excellent. I'm looking forward to all of this. Uh, like I said, we've got a, an internal hack week coming up. So like, that'll be super fun to see what else folks come up with for all of this. And yeah, like you say, if anyone has questions or you want to reach out to your, your account team, you can do that. If you do have a, a question, not sure who to get in touch with, you can join our community forums and we'll try and get you in the right direction there. And uh, that's just community.pagery.com. It's also in the show notes for this episode. So thank you so much for bringing us all this exciting stuff. Of course. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. That's excellent. So yeah, like I said, for anybody who has any additional questions, check us out on the community forums. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. And in the meantime, we'll wish you an uneventful day. That does it for another installment of Page to the Limit. 
We'd like to thank our sponsor, Pager Duty, for making this podcast possible. Remember to subscribe to this podcast if you like what you've heard. You can find our show notes at pageittothelimit.com and you can reach us on Twitter at pageittothelimit using the number two. Thank you so much for joining us and remember, uneventful days are beautiful days.